Stuck in my ways I'm stuck in the house for most of the day I'm chasing my dreams and running away What is going on today? So, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time you choose to listen or watch this at. Last night, I got to chat with Zach Murphy. He's a guy that I met through work on the job site, and I already do a little bit of an introduction during the conversation that we have, so I'm gonna keep this really short and sweet. If you are really down with this type of content, just talking about the different struggles that we go through and how that shapes the people that we are today, then please feel free to refer this type of content to any of your friends, your family members, or anyone that you just care about or love. Anybody that might be going through some struggles right now, has been through some struggles in the past, or just wants to run their life into a new direction right now. That's all I'm gonna say. Let's jump into this conversation. I hope you guys enjoy it just as much as I did. And bang, we are recording. Welcome to another episode of Hey Mark. If you're watching this on YouTube, if you listen to the podcast or on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you're consuming this, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time you're listening to this at. But we got Zach Murphy in the building. Well, he's in his building, I'm in my building, but we're we're here to talk to you guys today. And so welcome. That's all I wanted to say. And if you haven't heard this kind of content before, then what you can expect is on our podcast, I like to have open and authentic conversations with people. I like to talk about the struggles and adversities that we face, the different challenges that we've overcome and how that kind of shapes the people that we are today. And Zach is a guy that I actually met through work. You know, he's an electrician, I'm a carpenter apprentice, and we've kind of got to talking on the job site and we just kind of bounce similar ideas off each other. So we just wanted to chat about different things that we're going, that we have going on today, sorry. And recently he's even started his own podcast. So Zach, I'm just gonna pass the mic over to you. You can kind of let the people know who you are, what you're all about and where they could find you. We'll just jump right into it. Hey Mark, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm Zach. I The podcast that I have is actually called The Plaid Jacket Philosopher. It's across all the different media platforms as well. And uh, like Mark said, we met on a job site, which has turned into the job from hell. So it's still going on, <laughs> but you know, they aren't all pretty. Um, but uh, Mark, Mark kind of mentioned that I'd start a podcast. What he didn't mention is that he was kind of that last little nudge I needed to actually just dive into it. I had, uh, I'd wanted to do one for a long time. Like I had told you, I'd picked up all the recording material, picked up a new laptop at the beginning of this lockdown. So six, six plus months ago, but I just, kind of couldn't work up the the balls to actually put anything out so you kind of gave me that last nudge and I'm I'm appreciative so here we are <laughs> absolutely man well I I don't want to take the credit for that man like obviously you got all this stuff set up you've even got stickers going you've got everything set up man I think sometimes honestly that in and of itself is a testimony to how important it is sometimes to just like tell your buddies or tell people that you're talking to like just go for it man like yeah. just absolutely go for it I completely agree. I mean, a lot of the time, all it takes is that nudge, like, like literally, like I was kind of all prepped for it, but I kept stumbling anytime I'd record like five minutes to myself, I just shut it down. I'm like, no, that's garbage. Nobody's going to want to listen to that. But you even, I think the words that you said were something along the lines of, you know, people are going to want to listen and anybody who puts you down is usually just hating on you for whatever reason. So just go for it. Cause you know, you have nothing to lose. I mean, if I had, if I had been going two, three years down the road, still regretting that I never started it, like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to live with less, less regrets as I get older. 
Yeah, man. What's that saying? I think it's like the best time to plant a tree is 10 years ago. The second best time to plant a tree is right now. Yeah. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. That's exactly, that's kind of exactly what I was, uh, what I was thinking too. And I kind of got started. Like it's better to get that out of the way. Now the first 50 are going to suck anyway. So I might as well get them out of the way now. Yeah. Front load that pain, front load all the failure. <laughs> You're like, man, just I'll take it all now and then I'll reap the rewards later. Oh, exactly. Unreal, man. So we're kind of just talking about a couple of different things, but uh, like, you know, working, doing side jobs on the weekend. And I know like your podcast, Plaid Jacket Philosopher, obviously is, is circling around, you know, the trades and being in like the blue collar working class. Like I've listened to the podcast where you talked about it. It was, I think it was your first episode where you talked about how you got into the trades. It was, it was through an apprenticeship in your high school, yep. but like how, how have you seen or have you seen like working in the trades or working with your hands, being able to do that kind of work? How have you kind of thought that that's helped shape who you are? Well, I think, uh, I think I didn't get a ton of gifts in life, but one of them was a good work ethic. And that's a kind of a lot of it has been instilled into me from my parents. I mean, I started working with my dad. I'm working with my dad again now but he really instilled that work ethic into me at a young age. Um, he kind of pushed me to get, get a paper route when I was younger. And then my mom pushed me to get a job in a, it was actually a butcher shop when I was 14. And I kind of, I credit a lot of kind of my opinion of hard work and of quote unquote dirty jobs now to that butcher shop, because nothing I can see in trades is ever going to compare to being covered in blood and guts and bleach at the end of yeah. the day. So it, I don't really, nothing at work really grosses me out that much. I don't really find it that dirty compared to what I've been through. Um, but yeah, I mean, most of it's just hard work kind of got me into it and kind of helped me stick with it. And I've, I mean, trades for me anyway, I've kind of gone all across uh, BC over to Alberta, Saskatchewan. Like it's, it's carried me quite a long way. So I, yeah, I'm thankful for it. I'm, I'm still enjoying it. So I'm going to keep going with it. Yeah, man. And you're a young guy, you own your own place. And that's pretty rare for like people living in this part of obviously like British Columbia. It's pretty hard to have like buy your own spot. You got set up with your kids there, man. That's really sick. That's really sick. Actually really motivating that meeting you really motivated me to just actually just get after it. Oh, thanks, man. I mean, like, I don't know if you're if you ever listen to I'm sure you listen to a lot of other podcasts, but there's one there's one comedian in particular, Burt Kreischer, who's got a saying like when he was going through the beginning of like his stand-up career and his saying was eat shit, cash checks. And like, it's, I love that saying. Like there's a lot of days that I just kind of have that repeating in my head. Like, yeah, this is a brutal job, but just keep going, put your head down. And you know, some days that's the only way to get through it. I mean, not every day at work is going to be glorious or quote unquote fulfilling, but you know, at the end of the day, you kind of got to just push through them. Yeah. So like how, like how often do you think that you have one of those days that really like tests your patience? Like, is it like a once a week kind of thing or once a month kind of thing? Um, I'd say it's probably more once a month in that, that range. I don't, um, I don't know. I mean, we've kind of talked about it at work too, but I don't really let work get me down that much. It's, you know, I just view it as a job. Um, I'm going to do the best I can every day. But if, if things aren't going well, that's kind of just the way it goes sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, when I was younger, I definitely let it get to me a lot more. 
and I know I've talked about it on my podcast too, but working out of town doing remote camp work, um, I was doing like three weeks in, one week out for a while. And by that third week, yeah, everything was on my last nerve. It didn't matter for the last, the last three or four days in camp. Anything bad happened, I was set off. But um, nowadays, it, I don't know, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me the same way, no. Did you ever have the thought, like, absolutely, like, fuck this. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to get a different job. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, especially working in Alberta. I mean, I'm actually, I actually liked working in the winter there a lot better. Like, I could handle negative 45 a lot better than plus 42. Because at least in negative 45, I could bundle up. You get warm-up breaks. You, you're legislated. You can't work outside in those elements for too, too long. But in plus 42, you don't get cool down breaks. You're out there in long sleeves and Kevlar and all the cut resistant stuff and you're just sweating your bag off. So uh, yeah, in the middle of the summer, usually I'd actually, actually after a few years in Alberta, I ended up taking off two months every year through July and August, just because I didn't want to deal with the heat and you know, the pay up there kind of afforded me that luxury of taking a couple months off. But I found it was great to just kind of unplug and recharge like I was saying when I when I was younger I don't know I mean you can relate like testosterone gets pumping like you're kind of on edge sometimes like uh, I really I really found that I I just needed to take those breaks every once in a while yeah man and listening to your first episode it really resonated with me because you talked about being an apprentice man and that's kind of what I'm going through right now like it like basically like you said it's it's at the point where it's like eat shit and cash checks like that's pretty much what being an apprentice i feel like in any trade is like like oh how, yeah like yeah. I, I was gonna say like how was your experience like kind of go into that as well because that first episode that you have is really sick man oh thank you um yeah i mean when i first started i started with my dad but I know, well, I know that you've probably come into this too, but when you're kind of the boss's son, you get that, I don't know, that um, people kind of get just a predisposed idea of what you're going to be, kind of that prima donna attitude. But my dad really tried to drill that out of me and drill it into the rest of his company that that wasn't the case here. So he had told me like, and I, I probably weighed a buck 40, a buck 30 at, at like 15. When I started, I was five foot four when I graduated high school. So I was probably five two, like a buck 20 when I started. Um, and he'd have me on the end of like a whole hog drill with, with like a one and a quarter inch bit and you're drilling through studs. This thing was throwing me like, I'm not kidding. Just ripping my arms apart, throwing me across the room. Uh, but he, he basically told me that all I'd be doing is drilling holes, pulling wire, uh, working in crawl spaces, attics, and any electrical connection I did for the first two years was um, plugs. So 12 to 16 inches off the ground. Um, I wasn't doing anything that I could stand for. That was for the journeyman or for the higher level apprentices. So he really kind of drilled it into me at the beginning that this wasn't going to be a walk in the park, that I wasn't going to get any special treatment. And um, But yeah, it really just kind of kind of drilled it into me. I got a lot of that dirty work out of the way first. And I, like I said, coming from the butcher shop, it didn't seem that dirty to me, but yeah, it was for sure a, a grind at the beginning. Yeah, man. Do you, like, I know that, again, this is something that you kind of talked about as well. Like, did you ever see people that signed up and they became apprentices and they start working and they start making the money, but there's like certain areas of the job where they're like, dude, I'm not doing that. Like, I can't believe you're asking me to do that. Oh, yeah. And the biggest spot I think that it came in was in oil field. Like a lot of the time, 
I mean, my dad's company was a small company, so it was usually people we knew um, or people he knew that we was hiring. And so there was kind of that already that personal relationship. So you didn't, we didn't get a lot of that um, at the very beginning, but when I went into the oil field, for sure, I mean, a lot of those guys were coming into really high paying positions considering the prerequisites that they had or didn't have to have. <laughs> um, especially like speaking of bosses, kids, like we had two, uh, two sons of one of the supervisors of one of our sites. And oh man, it was, that was exactly it. Like we were doing a cable pull one day. They're two first year apprentices. So we had them in, I mean, it's a pretty crappy spot. They were in the middle of a trench pulling this cable, but we had 200 guys on this cable pull all in various horrible locations. Like it's not, it was a, I don't know, it was probably a 1.8 kilometer run that we were pulling. And so it was a big, it was a, a cross site feeder. And, um, but yeah, they, they said, you know, do you know who my dad is? Like, I'm not pulling in that spot. Like put me up on one of the platforms. And our foreman just yelled at him, like lost his mind. And so they should have. I mean, you don't get any special treatment as a first year. When What are you going to do, have a journeyman in that mud pit there pulling? Like this is, this is kind of the ropes that you go through getting into a trade. Um, but yeah, I would say, I'd say more so it was with the bigger companies, the bigger sites they, that we kind of noticed more of it. That's probably also because there was a larger group of, of uh, apprentices to pick from. But yeah, yeah, you definitely saw it. You see a, a pretty wide range of... Uh, personalities out there yeah man and so like what do you think for yourself because obviously like your parents did a really good job of instilling like hard work ethic and kind of just that resilience to overcome those struggles like what was your biggest struggle like kind of in regards to the trades like kind of just getting into the workforce I don't I don't know like what that struggle would have been for you for me it was just literally the physical demand like I was saying when I started I was tiny and like the the drill would literally throw me around like you could talk to talk to my dad about it but at the beginning he's like oh yeah Zach hated drilling like I, I had my arms would get tweaked I'd have bruises all over my shoulders from the handles just clocking and kicking me um, that was probably the biggest thing was just the kind of the physical struggles to get into it and I mean same with when, I, when you're 15 16 I mean the work ethic isn't always there like you get your paychecks. And then, you know, if you get paid on Friday, you don't care about working that Friday. Like there yeah. probably, probably a lot of times that I was begging for a Friday off because usually payday Friday, but um, yeah. So, I mean, the, the work ethic, it kind of, it kind of came like I, I definitely had it, but it, I, I've worked on cultivating it over the years. Yeah. So do you think that that would be like your biggest struggle with it or? Yeah, probably. Well, probably the physical, the physicality of it. And then just really, really kind of learning. I guess at the beginning, I didn't necessarily have a long-term view of the trade. My When I first started, uh, it was with the apprenticeship program in high school. And the main driver for that wasn't necessarily a, necessarily a love of trades. It was a hatred for sitting in class. So to me, it, you know, like I just, I hated sitting in class. That wasn't my game. But um, uh, so I kind of viewed it more as, yeah, it was great to get work experience, but more so it gave me an excuse to get out of class. So I would go to school one day, work the next, but then that apprenticeship program counted for half of my credits when I graduated. And when I did graduate, I had nearly enough hours for the first two years of my electrical apprenticeship coming into BCIT. So it gave me a great head start, but it was kind of just learning to have a longer term view of everything as opposed to just viewing it as a reason to kind of get out of school. Yeah. And now, like, because I've listened to your episode as well, where you kind of talk about, like, setting long-term versus short-term goals. And do you think that at that point you were even thinking about setting goals? Or 
Because I know I wasn't right after high school. Oh, definitely not. No, no, no. Like (laughs) at 16, 17, no, I wasn't thinking about anything. I was thinking about the next weekend. That's it. Um, And I must say, like meeting my wife, I met my wife, I don't know what it was, six years ago. But kind of when we when you start a family and especially when you have kids like that, that kicks into overdrive. Like it's just kind of that instinct takes over. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like, it, but yeah, I started to kind of gain that over the years, but yeah, you're right. At the beginning, I definitely didn't have any long-term goals. Do you think that going to the oil feeds and like working in camps or to town kind of helped shape like more like the goal setting, like, okay, we can make money doing this. Like, this is something I want to do for the rest of my life kind of deal. Yeah. And I also found that that really, um, kind of accentuated the importance for short-term goals for me because I couldn't. I mean, I couldn't even look at three weeks away. If I was starting a three-week shift and I was staring down the barrel of 21 days in camp, um, I couldn't, I didn't even like looking that long-term. Like I would set it for kind of quarter marks. So at five days in, I was a quarter of the way through the shift, 10 days in, I was halfway. And I would kind of take it in those little increments because I couldn't, um, I mean, it's, it's a very, it's kind of a pretty formative experience when you're in in that kind of a situation, especially starting out. You don't really like I've I've talked about it before too, but the turnover rate, especially for new guys going into that kind of work, is extremely high. You kind of go into it with an idea of what it's gonna be, but once you get there, I mean nothing nothing short of probably military or being in prison would prepare you for that kind of a life, just that level of isolation. Especially, like I said, the first time out there when you don't know anybody. Um, so yeah, that's probably, yeah, I would definitely say that shaped a lot of kind of my thought processes now is spending those years out of town. Yeah. And like, what, what, like, obviously there's the hard work, the weather that sucks up there, the isolation, like what's the biggest struggle of working in camps? Like when you're just like away from home like that? It's got to be, it's got to be the isolation, especially at the beginning, like you will start to kind of develop friendships over time. But especially when you're kind of going out to shift the first, the first few weeks, and you notice it, especially with new guys, um, like everybody kind of has that facade up, just kind of a defense mechanism. But um, in the last week, kind of everybody really does like break down and you become each other's support networks, like whether nobody verbalizes that up there, but, but it's true. Like you guys are all in the same boat. Um, and you really, yeah, you really start to kind of lean on each other for it, but sorry, I forgot what the question was originally. And I just, no, I was just wondering like, yeah, no, I was just wondering like what the actual, like, what would you say like the biggest struggle that you had up there? Like, was it oh. like the isolation and like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, definitely the isolation then. Cause it's, yeah, it's just different going away from your family. And when you're used to even just being able to give them a call or, go for dinner or blow off some steam, go watch a movie. And then all of a sudden you can't do any of your normal coping mechanisms and you don't have any of your normal support network. It's yeah. That's the biggest struggle for sure. Yeah. No kidding, man. I, yeah. uh, I have no idea. Cause I remember we had that conversation. I was like, man, I would definitely want to jump on board if I had the opportunity to go out of town and work like that. But I've been thinking ever since that conversation, I'm like, man, I wonder like what the worst part about it was and how I would handle that kind of stress or be like, I don't think I've been in that situation before where I'm like that isolated. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's different, like, um, but it's a really a trial by fire. And like I said, like I attribute a lot to kind of my mindset, a lot of my mindset to that period of time. Um, 
I mean, it's kind of regrettable the state that the oil field is in right now, just that there isn't that kind of same draw of a workforce needed there. Because I've, I've recommended it to apprentices all through kind of since I got started up there was that it's such a great experience. I mean, it gives you it gives you a better perspective on the work that you're doing locally as well. But just to have that kind of to kind of go through that experience, I found it really it was a kind of like a mental workout. And it, it was it was great. I, I can't say enough about kind of the the after effects of it, despite how tough it was at the beginning. Yeah, man, that's uh that's an interesting one. And it's cool because you have all these different stories now that you could go off and tell people and we're all like, man, you could literally be saying anything and we would just buy it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. Well, mining was the craziest one, especially up there because it was, uh, we were an exploration camp at the beginning. So it wasn't in production. There wasn't all that security up there for when you're pulling gold up from underground. It was really like the wild, wild west up there for a while. <laughs> like, Man, like from living in wall tents where you've got like a sheet of canvas in a, in a two by four skeleton and you've got this diesel heater keeping you warm in negative, 40, negative 45 degrees with 100 kilometer hour winds howling against this tent six guys to a bunkhouse or not even a bunkhouse sorry the wall tent like it was crazy up there it's it's brutal and i only had to spend four nights in a wall tent some guys had to spend months in those wall tents i was lucky i got a cabin but you sleep in there and it sounds like you're in a wind tunnel like i i don't know how anybody did it. i didn't sleep for four days but it's uh yeah it's it's a crazy place up there it was a blast though Man, did that mess with you? Not sleeping for four days? I mean, I, I'm sure I nodded off here and there, but I just remember laying awake at night and it was just howling. Like yeah. it sounded it sounded like you were in, yeah, like a wind tunnel. I don't know how else to explain it. Everything's just flapping. Things are moving. The lights are dimming on and off as the generator's trying to basically keep up to the, the increased <laughs> demand with all the heaters kicking on. It was, it was nuts. Like it was, yeah, it was like a movie, a, lo- a lot of it, to be honest. Really, like, man, I can't believe this is real right now. Like, I can't oh. believe this is what I'm doing. My whole first shift. I mean, I've got pictures. I'll, I'll have to pull them off my old computer, but of just some of these cable pulls that we'd be doing. And I'm standing on the top of this mountain covered in snow, but you're stripped down to kind of your coveralls and then a t-shirt because you're sweating. Like, it's not like the work is easy, but it's negative 20 out, but you're in the sunlight. So it feels good. Um, but yeah, some of the pictures are just crazy. They look like they're out of some movie scene. And you're like, man, what am I doing here? Oh yeah. I was 20, <laughs> 21, 22, I think at the time when I first started. And yeah, that's exactly what was going through my mind. Like, what am I doing up here? This is insane, man. Yeah. So like, talk to me. Cause you were like, when we first met, we were like pretty much instantly, we started talking about different podcasts. We listened to different comedians that we listened to. That was kind of how we started chatting. Yep. Like since you've started your podcast, how do you like? How do you feel about the whole adventure? Like, how do you feel about that? Because you were kind of like hesitant to start, and then now you've just jumped right in. And it looked like you've been posting consistently once a week, every week, right? It was Wednesday, every Wednesday. Yeah, that's my my only. Like I said, like the work ethic is my one good quality. <laughs> so I'm gonna be. I'm gonna put the work in. I'm gonna be consistent. Like it's funny. I've read a couple of things. Like I'm sure you've seen them too. But kind of uh like i saw this list it was like steps to having a successful podcast and it was like number one be famous that was the only thing on the list <laughs> like right like but but in reality i mean i'm using it almost for fun like and the journey has been good like i i told you about this the other day when we were texting but 
I even listen back to like my first two episodes and just cringe now because I can, I can hear the nerves in my voice and then I'll listen to the latest two episodes and I'm like, okay, like I can, I can hear an improvement. So to me, and I mean, honestly, like you were mentioning the stickers, it's, they're basically just hard hat stickers, toolbox stickers, but that's kind of my goal audience. So I've been, I just figured, you know, that's a good way. And so I've sent them out to some of my different buddies on trade sites, bigger, bigger uh, construction sites to get the word out anyway, but I'm, I'm just really enjoying it. Like it's, it started out, I used to just record myself driving home because I have like an hour to an hour and a half commute each way every day. And sometimes I would just be going crazy sitting in traffic. And so that was kind of my inspiration for it. And now at this stage, I'm just trying to trying to be consistent, trying to be better than I was the week before. And it's really, I mean, I still listen to tons of other podcasts, but I don't find that I'm, I don't think I'm trying to emulate any of them. And I'm definitely not comparing myself to any of them. Like, I think that's, I'm just comparing myself to basically my last week's episode and trying to, trying to basically improve on there. Like, how have, how have you found it? Cause I was trying to pick your brain the other day too, about just kind of the beginnings of it and what you kind of, what do you kind of focus on from week to week? Yeah, it's tough because, you know, sometimes, sometimes I have like all these crazy ideas where I'm like, dude, that would be a really sick episode or that would be a really cool metaphor for something else that I'm trying to talk about with me. It's more, I mean, we're going to get into this. This was going to be like kind of my next question, but for me, it's more about just kind of like talking about different struggles and adversities. That's kind of where my main interest is because for a long time, I like kind of growing up, I dealt with a lot of like mental health issues. And I I just felt like I was the only one that I knew that was dealing with that. Mm -hmm. And once I started opening up about it, then more and more people would say, Hey, you know what, I've dealt with that too. Or my sister deals with that, or my brother deals with that, or my boyfriend deals with that, like someone I know deals with that. And I was like, man, why is there no like consistent conversation about this? If the second you start a conversation, everyone starts speaking up. Like that's kind of like how I was about it. So that's, that's how I kind of got started. And then I decided I was like, you know, it, it doesn't really make sense for me to just spit off a bunch of my own advice and my own ideas, because at the end of the day, like that kind of gets old and I don't even have all the answers, man. Like I just have what I think is right. So for me, my, my like kind of attempt to, to do, I guess like a service is just to provide different perspectives, different like, ideas different struggles different adversities that other people have shared and gone through because I feel like it's more powerful to hear a bunch of different people say similar things than it is for just one guy to say the same thing over and over and over again yeah and so that's kind of your mentality with having the guests on is kind of getting a broader scope but of people who've had similar experiences well, of just whatever experiences they've had, like just talking mm-hmm. about the adversities that you just faced and like just talking about like what, like what actually got you to overcome these things and yeah. how do you feel now, right? Like that's kind of the way that I kind of structure mine is just always trying to think of, you know, different ways that people could actually be, I guess not really struggling, but like ways that they're just living their lives and feeling like kind of by themselves. Like there's, I, I want to be able to hear every single perspective out there so that someone else can hear it and think, oh, damn, I'm not the only one going through that. Yeah. And I'm I mean, the only one feeling that. Sorry. No, no worries. And I, I think it's really inspiring to hear how people kind of overcome their own struggles, whatever they are, too, which I've noticed on your podcast. A lot of people have, have said and you've said, which I really like to hear. Like, I, I mean, when you were saying how when you were younger, you struggled with mental health, I, 
I don't even know that I recognized that I did when I was younger, but I had, my parents went through a divorce when I was six, seven years old. Um, and I had gone through, I've gone through kind of the gamut of issues related to that. Um, and then I've had a fair bit of counseling and therapy over the years, which have really helped. Um, but even, yeah, when I first got started with that, when I was, I mean, it originally started when I was 13, my dad got me uh, in to see a counselor, but I don't found, I didn't find that I gained a lot out of that. I didn't, I wasn't into it. I didn't have the mentality or the maturity to deal with anything that I was feeling. Um, but when I went back on my own in my early twenties, I really got to dig into a lot of that stuff. And I mean, it was painful at the time, but it's the only way you can kind of grow is if you face it. So I, um, yeah, I mean, I had, I had a lot of, a lot of issues growing up too. So I think we have that in common as well. Yeah, man, that's huge. I actually had a, a kind of a similar experience when I was like nine years old. My parents tried to get me into like kind of talk to a counselor and like you, man, like I, wasn't even willing to acknowledge that I had any issues going on and I just didn't have the maturity to actually face the, like what I was dealing with. So it took me, yeah, into my, into my early twenties where I was just thinking like, this is a little bit out of my control. I need to get a bit of help. Yeah. Like, I don't know how you felt, but I, I kind of just felt myself losing control at certain things or reacting to things that I didn't, I didn't understand why I would feel this way. Like a lot of my issues came originally that kind of that kind of caused me to start digging stuff up was uh like trust issues in relationships things like that where i couldn't understand where it was coming from or why why i had this and i i started actually with a relationship counselor and then ended up just going to yeah basically counseling by myself um because at that time it was with an ex-girlfriend but uh then i just focused on it personally and i kind of continued on with it for a while but i I got a ton out of it, but I never would have realized it if I didn't kind of want to change something. I think it also takes a desire from people to want to change, um, mm -hmm. to really kind of start to open that stuff up. Yeah, hundred percent. But I will say that's really cool that it was your dad that helped get you into counseling when you were a kid, because you always hear about like the whole, like society always tells men to just man up. Like, that's really cool. That your dad was like, okay, like, let's try. I don't know how the situation went. So maybe I'm just pulling something that's not there. But I just think that's interesting that your dad would be the one to do that. That's really sick, I think. Yeah, no, I mean, you're right. It, <laughs> it definitely came from, uh, I think it was a bit of a different angle from him, but at the same time, I agree. I'm thankful that he did. It was at the time my dad was getting remarried to my stepmom, who's still my stepmom now. They've been married for, it's got to be around 17 years. But I mean, I was a dick Like at 13. I was a thorn in their ass. Um, I mean, to give you an idea, like at their wedding, I wore orange and blue tie-dye just to stand out and, and protest the wedding. <laughs> so... <laughs> I mean, I was, yeah, I was insufferable. Um, and so that was a lot of why I went into counseling. And again, I had that attitude of, you know, kind of your typical 13 year old boy, I didn't want to hear any of it. And so I didn't gain a ton out of it then. But I, I agree with you. I'm thankful that he did. He obviously knew there was things going on. And he, he did what he could to try to get me help. It wasn't his fault that I had no interest in it. But it really did kind of, um, paved the path for me coming back on my own when I was older. Yeah. Cause you were kind of a little bit more climatized to it. Probably feeling a little bit more comfortable. Like I feel like, yeah, it's, it's a really uncomfortable thing to do. I feel like. 
Oh, it is. Especially the very beginning when you're first meeting kind of your counselor or therapist, you don't have any background and you're opening up about this horrible, horrible side of you, something that you feel shame, you feel whatever that you're trying to hide and you're having to open this up to a complete stranger. It's, it's tough. I mean, I had a couple of therapists, I think, uh, the second one was the one who I really felt a connection with. Um, but yeah, like it, it really does come down to the therapist too. You've got to be able to build that trust relationship with them. Yeah. What do you think how, how like made you like that person more than the first one? Not to like bash the first one, but like what oh, were no. the qualities that really helped you with the second person? Well, I mean, I'm sure it's uh it's a, a therapist ploy, but they kind of, they opened up a little bit to me more, I felt. So I felt more that, um, yeah, that it was kind of a, a give and take a little bit, not that they were exposing too much, like it wasn't, they weren't the ones in therapy, but they kind of, they just made themselves a little bit more trustworthy and a little bit more open to, to what my issues were. Yeah. Was there like any advice that was different from the second person from the first person? Were they saying the same thing or? Well, to be honest, I didn't stick around with the first person for too long. I just didn't feel that connection, but I knew that I still needed to kind of keep going to, to keep digging. I just, and I had, I had been talking to some other people as well. Um, and basically they had told me that, you know, you go for one or two sessions, you want to see if you get a feel for it. Um, and I just felt a better connection with the second therapist. So it wasn't, we didn't really get into a ton of, um, uh, a ton of, I don't know, really helpful pointers or anything at that point. It was kind of just that preliminary getting to know each other stage. And then I kind of cut the cord and went to a new one. But um, yeah, it's just kind of building that, that trusting the trusting relationship at the beginning. Yeah, man. And so do you think that like doing all of those things, do you think that that's obviously like helped shape your, you, who you are today? I'm assuming, right. You to credit like some sort of that counseling to who you are today. Oh, lots of it. Yeah. Just even just kind of having, um, the ability to kind of, I don't know, kind of pick your, your own um, actions apart. Cause I'll, I'll do things or even, even not even outwardly do anything or say anything, but you can, you'll kind of get feelings or reactions to something that's going on in life. And now I kind of have, I have the mindset to kind of sit back and rather than react right away on this feeling, like I'll kind of assess it and see where it's coming from just because I've had that help actually identifying um, certain things that are kind of deep down that cause these reactions to different events. Yeah, man. And when did you kind of feel like you were comfortable enough? I don't know, like if you're still seeing somebody like that, but I'm just, I'm like, when did you kind of feel like you were comfortable enough to, I guess like a talk about it with other people or b like kind of just all together and stop seeing somebody. Um, I don't know when it was that I kind of stopped. I just, I, I think I had gone for a few months and I kind of felt that, um, not that I was necessarily done. I don't think you're ever done, but I felt like I had, I had kind of uncovered what I needed uncovering and I, I felt a lot better about myself. Um, and I've definitely been more open. And I think as far as talking to people about it, I mean, it helps now with my wife, like me and her have a great open relationship. Like I can say whatever I'm feeling to her and she can do the same back to me. So that helps. But even like I was saying, working out of town, once you get into that kind of third week everybody's kind of defense mechanisms the facade breaks down and people really you would start to open up like we would be us on the crew like i had a few good friends up there um but we would really start talking to each other kind of in that last third week when everybody's strung out um just drained from the from the shift and 
you're really kind of wanting to talk to somebody, but you don't have anybody else. So you start talking to your coworkers. And that was really, again, more of the inspiration behind the podcast is trying to get those conversations with tradespeople and like blue collar working people going because I know that they're there. I know that people are feeling and struggling this way. It's just that a lot of the time we don't get the chance at sight to necessarily dig into anything that's deeper. Yeah, hundred percent. I was actually going to ask you, that was going to be one of my next questions is like, what made you want to start your podcast? Like what made you, cause obviously we all listen to podcasts all the time. We want to be like the people that we consume from. Like, that's just like a thing of life. Whether you listen to podcasts, you watch reality TV, like whatever it is. Yep. But what made you want to start like kind of the podcast, like what you're talking about? Because the plaid jacket philosopher A is a super catchy name. That's really smart, dude. I like it. Thanks. But what what made you want to talk about like kind of the trades and different experiences and stories in the trades? Well, I think so are you familiar with like Mike Rowe and Dirty Jobs? Yes. Okay, so when that kind of uh that really started it when I was younger, I remember watching that show and just how he highlighted kind of just working class people. I and I find that there's and I mean, again, working alongside so many people over the years, you really you realize that there's so many cool stories and so many great bits of wisdom that you can pick up from all these people. And I guess, like you're right, I love listening to podcasts. You always kind of emulate your your favorite podcasters. But I guess I was sick of just hearing like about famous people all the time. Like <laughs> it sounds stupid, but like you know, you'll hear them talk about parenting, but then two minutes later they mention how the kids are with the nanny and i'm like okay so i mean your parenting is worlds apart from what i'm dealing with like we don't have nannies it's me and my wife we we hope to get my parents or her parents to help watch the kids sometimes so we can get a breather by ourselves like this it's a totally different world i can't even compare to that kind of mentality and so i just found and i kept looking for a podcast that was aimed at kind of blue collar workers tradespeople. And I couldn't find one. And so honestly, I just decided I was going to kind of give it a go and try to start one. And so far, I'm, I'm loving it. I'm trying to find my voice out there and just get better every day. But I'm, I'm loving it. Yeah. And what, what would you say was kind of like the one thing holding you back from starting in the first place? Like, what, Was there like a fear or anxiety around that? Or Oh, big time. Big time. Like for me, it was... I mean, I've read about it. It's been called kind of the imposter syndrome, but this idea that why would anybody want to listen to me? Kind of what you were saying earlier about how, you know, you don't have all the answers. Well, I felt like I had none of the answers. I still struggle with that all the time, but I'm just, I'm kind of letting that work ethic take over and say like, look, you've got a deadline of Wednesday to put one out. So you're putting one out. And, but that, yeah, that's something I struggle with all the time is the anxiety behind that. Um, thinking, you know, why would anybody want to listen to what I have to say? Um, but like I said, like your nudge of just saying, don't worry about it. Like who cares? You know, you're going to have people will support you. And if they don't, you know what, it's, it's not the end of the world. Um, and that nudge was really all that it took, but I'm, yeah, I, I've told people all about like your podcast too. Cause I listen to yours weekly. Like, just like, Hey, this is the guy who gave me the nudge. Like, you know, listen to him. He's, he's got some good stuff to say. So I, uh, yeah, no, I'm really appreciative of that. Dude, I appreciate that, man. Look at how appreciative this is. This is sick. <laughs> yeah, it's a real, real love fest here. Unreal, man. So how, like, how do you think that you've kind of like, I guess like grown or like, what do you think has come out of this? Like, how do you feel about like starting the podcast and now you've been doing it for like, what, it's been like almost a month and a half, two months now or? 
Yeah, this week, this Wednesday, I don't know what the date would be. What is it, the 17th today? So I don't know, around the 21st. 21st. Yeah, the Wednesday, I think it'll be the 21st. That'll be my eighth episode. So yeah, two That's weeks. Two months. Or two months, sorry. Yeah, eight weeks. Unreal, um, I think my favorite part so far was I had my buddy Doug on for one of the episodes and we just talked about parenting styles. Both of us are parents. I have four boys. He has two girls. Um, but we were we had never had that conversation before. Like, and so the podcast was kind of just this vehicle that we, that I kind of used to then break into that subject, which I had a blast talking about. Like I've known him for 10 years. We've never had that conversation. And it was, it was great to kind of use that as like a theme. Like this is what we're going to be talking about today. And we got to pick each other's brains on something that in 10 years we've never discussed. Or then I had a guy on from England, I had to do the interview at 5am my time to work to work with his schedule. But I mean, you and me both were up early anyway, didn't really affect me. But uh, he, he had he owns and runs a painting business. He's had it for 20 plus years. And he, he had an issue with uh, a phobia of flying. And he saw a hypnotherapist to help him do that. And it inspired him to become a hypnotherapist. So he's taken all of his training. And he's transitioning basically from, he still paints, he still runs that business, but he's transitioning into becoming a hypnotherapist. So, um, and a cognitive hypnotherapist at that dealing specifically with anxiety, which I'm very familiar with and phobias. So the, just getting the chance to discuss that with him, kind of pick his brain on issues that directly affect me daily. And, you know, we still have an ongoing dialogue. He's starting up his business. I'm starting up a podcast. So we kind of talk to each other all the time. I'm going to have him on again. I'm going to be on his page. We're trying to, yeah, it's just, it's been cool to find like-minded people. Like same with, with you being here. Like we, you know, we connected on talking about podcasts and then you prompted me to start my own. And now it's, you know, it's kind of cool. You start to, you start to meet these like-minded people and have these discussions that you probably wouldn't have had otherwise. Yeah. How'd you, how'd you meet this guy in England, man? Oh, <laughs> that was through, uh, there's a tradesman talk group on one of the Facebook groups that I'm in for, for tradesmen. And he, he had put up a post saying that, or asking if there are tradespeople that would be interested in, um, kind of mental health help. And if they'd be interested in joining a group, if he set one up, and so I responded saying, Hey man, I think I had two episodes released at that point. I said, Hey man, like this is really weird, but you are a tradesperson and in, and a mental health like expert, like this is right up kind of the alley of what I'm trying to do here. And so I sent him the links. I said, you know, if you want to, if you could listen to these first two episodes, um, let me know what you think. And if you'd be interested to come on and ha do an interview and he loved the idea. He listened. He said yes. And we kind of went on with that right away. But it was it's just kind of cool. You 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 just pick up on these different people popping up and you're starting to kind of notice common common veins too, because he drew a lot of interest in that. So it's obviously those are the type of people who I think would also you know, gain something from podcasts like yours or mine. And there's definitely a need out there. It's just finding a way to kind of break into it or um to have those people to get have discussions with those people yeah man so when you said like you were talking about like near like the third like week when you're like kind of nearing the end of your rotation like your shift working up in isolation like you said 
you know, a lot of people, they start talking at that point, you start to become your own support groups, but nobody ever talks like that. You said nobody would ever say it like that. No. Why do you like, why do you think, especially like, I do feel like working in the trades, it's completely different than any other job that I've had because, you know, I've worked in restaurants, I've worked retail, I've worked in sales, like pretty high pressure, like fast paced sales. And even in the sales place is when you get like those like macho alpha men, like who are just like, oh yeah, I can just grind. I don't need to sleep. I'll just work, work, work. Like we're all about that commission check. I'm a shark. I'm the hardest guy. But they still have a mental health kind of conversation sometimes where they're like, okay, you can't overwork yourself. This is like certain ways you're going to start to build resentment, not just for like the company, but for other people in your life. Like these are different attitudes you might have. Like they do have that kind of surrounding like mental health talk, but I feel like in the trades, I haven't heard anything like that. And like, even when you complain about things, it's just like, that's it. Like I, like I typically, I'm not a big complainer, but if you complain on a job site, man, you know, as well as I do, like they are going to talk mad shit about you all the time. Like you cannot complain, especially about the work that you're doing. No, I agree. And I mean, there's definitely a culture surrounding it, but I'm interested though. in what you said about the, the mental health stuff, is that coming from like the company? Like that is, that's kind of part of their policy with their employees. Like when I, like I worked, uh, I worked in sales and they, I'm pretty sure they had workplace counselors. Like if you got too stressed at work, you could speak to a counselor, I believe through HR. And I think that even if it was something like kind of in your personal life, I'm pretty sure they guide you in the right direction. But there was definitely like a, we'd have promotions around mental health, like you know, mental health awareness month to raise awareness or different fundraisers. But there was always like the work life balance being had like that conversation being had from our our higher ups for sure. Yeah, that's awesome that it's actually kind of built into that culture then. Um, Because you're right in trades, there isn't like, and I mean, I worked in some pretty brutal places like, like mining, for example, like, and I've had a podcast episode on it. It's something that you know, in a way I really admire is the idea of a meritocracy on job sites. I'm sure you've seen it too, is that you are directly rewarded for your level of effort. You know, like if you're the hardest working guy on site, you're going to be the one who's up for promotion first, who gets the raise first. I, I find there's a really kind of a pure aspect about trades that way. Uh, kiss asses usually get weeded out pretty quick. Um, just because that culture is all around kind of effort and yeah, like I said, meritocracy, but you're right. Uh, there's also downsides to that too. And that's, I mean, I think it's also because I'm sure in sales, there is, there are more women involved in that as well, rather than trades, like trades are starting to transition a little bit. I was telling you earlier that um, in my FSR class, I'm taking my FSR right now, but my in- instructor even said that she's, she's taught, she estimates probably around 8,000 guys through this, this topic. And she said she's probably taught eight women over that same 10 year span. Um, but in this class, there's 14 guys and two girls. So that's a way different ratio than it has been in the last 10 years. And a lot of that is because they, you know, they did try to try to get more women interested in the trades. I know the government of Canada had some programs and I think it would have been about five or six years ago. So that's kind of, you're kind of seeing that come to fruition now as they're hitting a journey person and then getting their FSR for their tickets. But um, 
I think that I think that that will help change it to a certain degree because I think with all the guys, there's a high level of competition. Um, nobody wants to be seen as weak. Um, and again, like there's a real changing of the guard too in trades. Like I'm sure you see it, but kind of those, the older generation is starting to kind of retire and get out of there. And I think it will change. I think it is changing already. Um, again, I don't see, or I haven't seen kind of a mental health initiative from any of the companies, but mind you, we both work for small companies. So I have a feeling that that probably is being brought in, in the larger companies. And I think it will more over time, um, as the culture kind of shifts because, mental health, especially men's mental health has really started to come in the spotlight with, you know, the suicide levels being what they are. Um, it's, it's starting to kind of push its way to the forefront. Um, thankfully. Yeah, it's, it's definitely crazy, man. I, I think that's absolutely nuts. I don't know if you guys, like, if you saw like my eyebrows raise up, you're like, it's a good ratio when it's 14 to two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's insane. Well, I mean, I'm sure you've, you've noticed it too. I mean, it's, there aren't a lot of women in the trades yet. I mean, it's, I mean, a lot of it comes down to interest. I get it. It's a physically demanding job. It's a, it's pretty, you know, it's, it's not the cleanest or nicest work. Um, but I do think that's changing over time, especially in the more technical trades. Like I know I've seen probably the most women on site were in oil field and it was in instrumentation. So it was a lot of programming, the fine cables and the fine little protective devices on everything, um, the metering equipment and everything. So I think it is changing. I mean, I don't think we're going to get a ton of iron worker girls when you're lift, lifting 80 pound beams above your head. But at the same time, I mean, it's, yeah, it's coming. It's starting to even out a little bit better. And I think that's also going to help to kind of, curb a bit of the crazy competition on sites but you know we'll see it's uh it's changing though definitely do you think that the older generation starting to retire is going to be good for like younger guys like me and you i think so um yeah i do think so but i also think you know there's a bit of there's a bit of a balance to be had like i said working in oil field when we had a bunch of different apprentices at the same time you really would see um, there's a bit of a different work ethic, I think with some of the younger guys, not saying everybody, like I've worked with young guys who have crazy work ethics. Usually they're, they're raised on a farm or whatever. A lot of it obviously comes into their upbringing, but, um, yeah, I do think so. I think there's a lot of lessons to still be learned off of that older generation though. Um, I mean, from technical skills, they obviously have a lot more experience, but even just kind of life lessons. And I try to glean as much as I can off of them. I mean, they've come up through way different time periods like way more manual labor they didn't have all the power tools we have today so they have you know they've got a lot of different perspectives that i like to try to pick up on but yeah i do think ultimately it's going to be good for us i mean it's going to open up job opportunities it's going to open up yeah higher positions but at the same time um yeah i try to pick their brains as much as i can because they've, they've got a lot of experience and wisdom yeah there's a there's a I'm going to try and be kind of vague here, but I feel like you're going to know who I'm talking about. There's a, there's a plumber on site that a lot Don't of worry, people, I won't mention any names. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a plumber on site that a lot of guys like to crack fun at, but man, and he's an older guy, but I love talking to this guy yeah. and I kind of get flack for it sometimes. You're like, dude, stop talking to him. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> I just love listening to this guy ramble on for hours. Like I love listening to him, man. Like, Oh yeah. He, he's hilarious. But I, 
I agree. It's like pulling that that rip cord on Woody, and then he just starts talking, talking, talking. Like as soon as soon as he starts talking. Like, oh, I agree. I do agree. So I know funny, exactly yeah. who you're talking about, and yeah, hilarious. But yeah, I I know exactly who you're talking about. But that's what you like. I feel like that's what you're talking about because, dude, this guy's got stories for days. He'll just go yeah. off and he'll talk to you about so many stories, and there could be work related, hunting related, fishing related, like whatever it is, and. Believe it or not, like he's actually given me some pretty sound advice in a lot of different areas, like from financial to like work site, like work ethic. Like he's given me a lot of good like pieces of advice, man. I actually really appreciate talking to that guy. Oh yeah, I I'm completely with you. I've worked with guys like that too, and I've I like picking his brain too. I know exactly you're talking about. I was with I was at a job with him probably would have been six months ago now, but me and him talked quite a bit, and yeah, I loved it. Like you gain you gain a lot of stories and just lessons in life. It's not even necessarily work specific, but those guys, I mean, you know, they've taken their kind of beatings in life. They've, they've experienced highs and lows and it's, it's great to kind of pick up on their wisdom that they have, that they've gained through all those years. Yeah, man. It's, it's actually so funny. I love it. That's like another thing. Like I've never had a job where I'm working with people that are like a generation above me. I've always worked in like in restaurants or retail even in sales, like everyone was kind of around my age, maybe five, maybe 10 years older, max, like the CEOs and presidents would be obviously a little bit older. But everyone that I worked with on a regular basis was around my age. And for certain things in my life, I just didn't relate to them in certain ways. Like I just don't have similar interests a lot of times, whereas I find like in the trades, there's, there's always kind of similar mindsets going on. There's a lot of wackos out there as well in the <laughs> trades for sure. Oh, yeah. But, like I yeah. find that like there's a lot of people that like I don't know if you feel the same way, but like just a lot of people that are just down to just work and make the best out of life and just enjoy like as much as they possibly can. I agree. I mean, I found I don't know if you found this too, and I I'm actually interested in what it's like to work with a kind of crew or a group of people who are all in the same age group. I feel like it would be really competitive. Whereas like I don't know, I find that. I don't notice or I don't meet a lot of tradespeople who are overly jaded. Like they kind of, and this is again, kind of that mentality of kind of you, you earn what based on what effort you put in. And I really, I think there's, um, I don't know, there's kind of a virtue in that. Like it's, it's kind of cool. It's refreshing to hear people talk about that. And you don't, yeah, you don't hear a lot of people blaming their situation on whatever, you know, people are able to kind of take their lumps and admit to it. Um, but what was it like working with like all guys in the same age group? Like, I just feel like that would have been like the wolf of wall street. Like that's the only thing I picture is just these people just chomping at each other all the time. Yeah. So like there's different, there was the, the, yeah, there was a couple of different, like I worked retail was like when I was in high school. So that I feel like didn't really count. I worked with a bunch of my buddies at value village, like literally six of us like so many oh, yeah. of us from the same rugby team all worked at the same value village. So like there, it was inevitable that we'd get scheduled together. Cause like how many staff does this place really have? Yeah. And so that was an absolute shit show pretty much, but we still were good <laughs> staff. Like, I don't know why, but most of the time we were like, yeah, I just want to work and make money. Like this was the first time I remember getting my first paycheck and it was like 400 bucks, I think. And I was stoked, man. I was so fired up. I was like, $400? Are you serious? I'm 15. 
Yeah, like, I had those insane. same paychecks. I had those same paychecks, and I was just fired up. I'm like, I can get five Xbox games for this. Like, this I was losing insane. my mind. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, we were stoked. Like, we're like, we'll do whatever you want at this point. Like, are you serious? And then uh, I worked at restaurants, and then I worked with my dad. I worked as a carpenter apprentice, and that's when I actually I went to BCIT for it took my level one and my level two kind of back to back because I've racked up all the hours and then just mm-hmm. did the schooling for the, both of those levels. Yep. And then uh, I hit the point where I think I was, it was 2016. So that's what, four years ago, I would be 2021. 20, mm-hmm. And I hit the point where I was like, man, fuck this. Like, I just don't want to do this. I show up to work every day. I do all the bitch work. I just get shit on all day. If I complain, I get shit on for that. So like, it's just, I just have to show up and eat shit. Like that's how it felt. And I was like, what the fuck? I don't want to do this. And at the same time, you know, in my perspective, again, this is something I don't think I was even mature enough to be working in the trades, even though I was 20 years old, 21 years old. I was like kind of an idiot. I would look around and I would see so many different guys from the truck drivers dropping off deliveries to the sub trades that we'd bring in. And they're like kind of all, you know, older gentlemen and they're all smoking darts all day and just talking about how once they get home, they just want to drink beers. And I was super into bodybuilding and fitness at the time. And I was like, fuck this. This isn't what I want to do. Like, I don't want to just sit around and become like the 45 year old guy who just hacks darts all day and like wants to just go home and drink booze like I don't want to be like that and so I I kind of I got this chip on my shoulder I was like fuck this I can do whatever I want and I ended up I quit and then I was like shit I guess I need a job right away (laughs) so after that I I went straight to a gym the gym that I went to like that I was actively going to and I said I'll do whatever job you guys want I don't care I showed up Mm -hmm. in a suit and tie because I was like I need a job like I yep. need, like I'm going to make an impression. I need a job, show up in a suit and tie to the gym. And I'm like, I'll do whatever you guys say. I don't even care because I just need a job at this point. I was just like kind of so filled with like piss and vinegar. It just reminds me of the scene from Step Brothers where they show up to the job interview for the janitor position. She's yeah. like, you realize you're cleaning toilets, right? Yeah. yeah. You guys are in a tux, right? Yeah. It's yeah. like it's yeah. the best scene. That That's hilarious though. I mean, you had that... But you had that mentality to kind of do whatever it took. That's awesome. Yeah, I walked in. And so I first, like, my buddy was the assistant manager there. And he said, yeah, just come on in, meet my manager, just try and make a good impression. So I left a job site that day. Mm-hmm. I remember I had a suit and tie in the back of my truck. I said, I'm getting a new job today. Like, that's <laughs> it. I'm done. Yeah. And so I drive to the gym. And I sit down with my buddy at the gym and I start talking like trash. Like I'm talking out my ass and there's like a couple of girls in the room and I'm I'm like 21 years old. I'm kind of just like talking shit. And it turns out the one girl is the other assistant general manager and the other girl is the general manager. And so I'm sitting there suit and tie talking (laughs) shit. And then I turn around and I say, Oh, by the way, can you hire me? I'll do whatever you want. Like that was pretty much where I was at. And they were like, uh, yeah, come back tomorrow. You got it. And I'm like, okay, what position am I working in? And they're like, you're going to do sales. Do you have any sales experience? And I was like, absolutely not, but I'll do whatever you want. I don't care. But as you can see, I can talk your ear off. So I'm sure I can sell stuff. (laughs) Exactly. And they were like, dude, if the fact that you're wearing a suit right now and you just walk in shooting the shit, like you just run the place already, you're in. 
Like that was it. That's awesome. I, I don't have that gene. Like I'm a pretty reserved, like I'm not a very outgoing person. Um, yeah, I wish I had that gene. I couldn't sell anything ever. I know that for a fact. Like I've just never gone into sales because I know I couldn't sell anything if I wanted to. Well, it's funny because, uh, well, I'll go, I'll go back and answer the question about like working with a bunch of young people as well. But mm-hmm. I, the funny thing is, is once I got the job, I would talk all the time. And I like when we'd have customers or if I'd find my own leads, which a lot of the time I did because I didn't like working off someone else's leads. I like talking to people that I met. But one of the, I remember the first lesson that I had was one of my managers sat me down. I think it was the VP at the time. And he sat me down and he's like, uh, dude, so like, what's your strategy? Like when you're trying to talk to people and I'm like, Oh, I just talk to them a lot. And I let them know about how sick the gym is. And I let them know how we'll take care of them. And he's like, it sounds like you're doing a lot of talking. And I'm like, yeah, dude, like I'm, I'm really good at talking. I'm the best talker. Like I can talk out my ass. Like, <laughs> and he goes, here's the thing, man. Um, if you're talking, you're selling. If they're talking, they're buying. Mm-hmm. Shut the fuck up and listen. <laughs> yeah that was the first lesson like i think day one he's like shut the fuck up man mm-hmm. like just listen to the guy yeah that's and so funny so like yeah it's it's kind of fun that i can just ramble off like a lot of the time and it definitely does help in certain situations because if it's really quiet then it gets really awkward so it's nice that i can just spark up like that but it gets me into trouble sometimes that's for sure man Oh, my, my wife laughs at me because I'm the opposite. Like, if it goes quiet, I'm just like, okay, mm, bye. And I just walk <laughs> off. Like she's, she's like, wow, like, I'll leave her hanging sometimes, like, in a weird silence. She's like, wow, thanks for that, you awkward loser. Like, yeah. <laughs> I just, I wish I had that gene of just, just small talk, just keep things going. But no, that's awesome. And that's, I think that's a good pointer, too, to, to just kind of listen to what the customer is wanting to say, too. I mean, we've talked about this at work, too. Like, some some tradespeople get all proud thinking that they know the exact way to do something or to design some finish. And, uh, but ultimately it comes down to what the customer wants. Like, and I think that's, that's a great lesson that can probably convert right into trades as well when you're kind of doing whatever they want, kind of whatever finish they'd like. Yeah. It's like, I mean, especially with like the job that we're working on right now, like it's like, dude, at the end of the day, just shut the fuck up and let the customers have whatever they want. Like, they're the ones that hired us to do what they want. Like that's pretty much how the situation rolls, right? Yeah. You want me to do it the sixth time differently? Sure. I'll do it. I, I completely hear you. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've done that lighting, lighting layout five times now. I'm sure yeah. I'll do it a sixth. It is what it is, right? Like yep. at the end of the day, they're paying for it. So like if they are going to get what they want. Yep. I agree. I completely agree. So what was it like uh, working with a whole bunch of young guys? We're like, was it just super competitive? Was it, I don't know, did you, did it get all broy, or was it, or did, was it kind of, yeah, was it, you were at each other's throats? How was that? It was all of that. So like the first location I worked at, our general manager was a, was actually a girl. So it wasn't always like broy. I guess she was kind of, she definitely fit in with like one of the boys. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like the very first location that I worked at, it was really fast paced and really high pressure. Everyone was always like kind of pumped up, full of adrenaline. Like we all worked out all the time as well. So all the guys were like testosterone up and all the girls were used to dealing with guys that are testosterone up. Like that's kind of the way that it rolls in the gym, right? Like, yeah. And sorry, was this, this was in a kitchen or was this in sales? 
this was in sales. So okay. I worked in gym sales, like gym sales. That's oh, right. I worked. Sorry. Yeah. And um, yeah, so it was really fast paced and it was really sharky sometimes. Like there was like, we would make jokes where it's like, are you going to close that person a day? Like, because if you don't close them today, I'll be we had tomorrow. A, well, we had a rule where like, it was like a 30 day period, a 30 day grace period. So like, if you talk to someone and you do like all the legwork and they're like, Hey, I got to think about it. I'm going to come back maybe next weekend or whatever. And they come in, I'm going to make the sale and I'm going to put you as the sales rep because you did all That's the legwork. Cool. All I did was sign the contract like that. Like it would be wrong for me to steal that. Right. Like, That's cool. Yeah. We had a good, like really family vibe, right? Like it was just kind of like the 30 day grace period, but if that hits day 31, buddy, that's my money. Like that's going into my bank account, dude. Yeah. They come in and be like, I talked to so-and-so. What day did you talk to them? Who's oh, that? 30, 31 yeah. days ago. Oh, perfect. Come here. Who's that? Never <laughs> yeah. heard of them. Yeah. That's funny. My, uh, I have a couple of siblings who all work in a gym. Actually, three of them. Uh, actually, maybe four or five. Anyway, a couple of sisters, a couple of brothers. My one sister is still um, a personal trainer. She does. She's pretty high level she's awesome then my other sister she she competed in like those physique competitions and stuff she ended up winning one getting onto a wow that's cover, huge. cover of some magazine or something yeah she she did awesome so i'm pretty familiar with kind of the mindset and i i always go to the gym not as much anymore because i got four kids so you know i'm waiting until they they at least grow up a little bit before i'm back in the gym hardcore but i i still like to get there too just blow off some steam get a little bit of aggression out kind of helps balance me out anyway yeah. Yeah. And then, the, yeah, that was pretty much how the first two locations went. Mm -hmm. And then the third location I was at, I was actually fortunate enough to be the general manager at, and I had two assistant general managers. One of them was like college level basketball player. And the other one was another gym bro with me. And, uh, it w it was a lot more heated, a lot, like a lot more often when we've got like three dudes, all like all really high, like testosterone driven guys that are there to make money like that's mm -hmm. like at the end of the day how our brains worked so it was like oh, yeah we'd show up and we, it's like we're making money today boys like that's it nothing else like at least in my head it was like nothing else matters the second i step in that building it's like it was it was cool because we fueled each other's fires like it's like i can't like how many appointments do you have for today because i've got <laughs> like i've got a lot coming in and there it was really rough sometimes because there was like almost that like you don't want to look weak you don't want to look like an idiot you want to show up for the rest of the team like because at the end of the day we had a team target like we never i guess we did have individual targets but i was the one that set most of the individual targets and it was based off of the, what the team target was so right. so it was at the end of the day like we're all just trying to hit the team target and that's that's good but like you didn't want to you didn't want to look like an idiot or you didn't want to look weak like you didn't want to like kind of like be like oh shit i need some help like i there's no way i can get this many people to come in and see the gym let alone purchase memberships like we have to actually build value here like that's kind of like where you kind of i know for myself like i got the same thing that you're talking about earlier like i got so many so many times i had imposter syndrome yeah because I was a pretty young general manager in the company and there was a lot of times where they'd be like, okay, what, what, what are you going to commit to for numbers this month? And I would try and talk out my ass and I'd be like, I'm in way over my head, man. Like, I don't know why I'm just saying I could do this. Cause like, yeah. 
And that's kind of how it got because it's like, well, I'm leading a team with, you know, a couple other guys and I don't want to let them down or look like an idiot in front of them. Like I, they obviously think I'm in this position for a reason, which I obviously was, I worked hard for years at that company. And then, yeah, it just kind of, it was kind of like, it, there's a catch 22 there where like, it's really fun and like, you're kind of driven and you get that like rush of just like young guys with a lot of energy, but all of us hit a burnout point and oh. none of us wanted to talk about it. I can imagine. And I've never worked in like a commission space, um, kind of job or a career, but I can't even imagine the level of competition that that would kind of produce. If you're literally fighting for, you know, to put food on your table, like it's all commission based. I, I don't know. I would be horrible in that situation. I, I think the stress would just get to me. Um, but it was interesting what you're talking about with kind of personal targets and team targets too. I found that that was one thing that I really like working with big crews. I mean, obviously the job we're on now, it's a couple carpenters and like one or two electricians, one plumber, like, you know, so you kind of are the crew, but when you worked on bigger construction crews, it's kind of nice because it is all about that group mentality. You're what your crew can accomplish in a given time. I mean, all of your, all of your deadlines are based on the crew. There aren't, there aren't very many personal deadlines you might have it for, you know, by the end of the day, can you get this done? But it's never, it's not usually too much of a stress. Um, but that was one thing that I really like about trade specifically with big companies is that you really kind of form that bond, that camaraderie. And a lot of the guys like, like, I mean, we may not talk about our feelings that much, but if you see a guy struggling with a task or that he's fallen behind, like guys would just move in and pick him up. Um, again, he wouldn't really talk about it. You weren't talking about your feelings or anything, but you'd be, you'd physically have whatever forbid. you could. Yeah, forbid. exactly. But you'd physically do whatever you could to kind of pick it up as a, as a kind of team mentality. And that's one thing I really liked uh, about bigger crews on bigger projects. Yeah, man. Actually, my, uh, one of my best buddies, he just got uh, accepted. He's he just started a plumbing apprenticeship and he's working uh, like a, a, just a, a pretty big job, like a high rise job in uh, Richmond. Yep. And he was saying, he's like, literally all he does, same thing I was talking about earlier and what you were talking about earlier. Like literally all this guy does is hump pipe up and down stairs. <laughs> like that's yep. it. Like he's just carrying pipes up and down stairs all day. Yep. And I was like, what do you like so far about it? He's like, there's two things I like a lot. He's like, A, I like that it's like the, it's a huge company he's working for. And he's like, I like the fact that, you know, I'm working with so many different guys and they all just show up to work and mm -hmm. work. That's it. Mm -hmm. I don't have to deal with drama. I don't have to deal with like people gossiping. I go yep. just show up and people work. And then I was like, what, what's the other thing you like about it? He's like, I like that people don't understand why I like to do hard labor. <laughs> like, <laughs> His legs are burning. He's probably getting a leg workout like crazy going up and down stairs all day. Yeah. He's like an ex bodybuilder as well. He said on his like first couple of days, cause he just started this week yep. and he was, he was saying, he's like, my foreman came up to me and said like, are you going to take a break? Like everyone else is going for a smoke right now. And he's like, no, I'm just going to keep humping pipes. Like, I, I don't want to stop. Like, the way he said it, he's like, I don't want to stop because my legs are going to hurt after I stop. So oh, I'm yeah. just going to keep going. And well, uh, It sounds like he's got the biggest key component of being like kind of a low-level apprentice, and that's a good attitude. Like, he's able, to, he's able to take the positives out of the day. I mean, anybody who gets started in any trade is going to be doing that grunt work. So he's, he's at least got the mentality there. Yeah. Well, he's like, I just honestly, he's like, I want to take all that work. So people are stunned. 
Like, I want people to just be like stunned. Like, how is this kid just doing this? Yep. He's going to go far in the trade if he wants to. I mean, that's the biggest thing that people look at too, is just the effort that you're willing to put in. You can, you can work your way to a pretty high position in any company. Yeah, man. It's pretty sick. I do think like there's pros and cons. I don't know. Cause I've never really worked with a big company like that. Like the best I can actually come like the, I guess like the best I could relate to it was when I was at BCIT and mm-hmm. you're working with like a class of like 40 other guys and yep. you're all building like similar projects. Like I, I'm not sure how it works with electricians, but I know with carpenters, like the first job you get is like build a sawhorse just to make sure that everyone knows how to like basically work with tools and can <laughs> do simple like angle math. Like it's yep. just like, can you do the math for these angles? Right. Yep. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. And then after that, they get on to like, okay, we're going to build flooring systems. We're going to build stair forms. We're going to build like, you know, different concrete forms, or we're going to build wooden stairs. Like, and it's kind of cool because there's certain things that people are really good at. And then there's some guys that, you know, there's some guys that can like, they're not really great with power tools, but they can, they can draw, they can look at drawings and completely understand everything. And then there's other guys that can build anything when you explain it. And then they look at drawings and they're like, what the fuck am I looking at? Like, yeah. It's so funny how like that, that kind of happens. And exactly like you said, there's so many other guys that just come over and they're like, Oh, what is it that you struggle with? Oh, I can't do the math for this roof. Like I can't do the calculations for the angles. And it's yep. like, Oh, it's just like this. Yep. Like they just come by and just show you. Yeah. And I think, I think that comes down to like, I mean, even, even on trade sites, like you talk to the guys and, everybody's crass everybody's crude you know it's not like you're getting like refined like you know you're not gentlemen typically you're not getting that but but there's an honesty in that like i never talk to anybody at a trade site and feel like they're like blowing smoke up my ass you know what i mean like and i i really appreciate that about tradespeople, and that's one thing that always turned me off from like salespeople. is i always felt like there was an angle but yeah, I agree with you. You you kind of get that mentality when working with other tradespeople. I think you'd like working on a big crew too, if you did work on with a big company, because um, you definitely get that sense of teamwork. And yeah, people kind of pick each other up if you're you're having a bad day or you know something's happening. But it's uh, it can be a pretty cool feeling. It obviously depends on the foreman and the building of the crew, but it can be it can be great. Did you ever feel like you were just like a number though? Like working for a massive company like that? Oh yeah. That's the definite downside to working for a big company. You'll you'll gain really good um, relationships with those guys around you and your crew. But at the same time, you, when it comes to the upper level management, the guys who are offsite in the businesses in the, like in the, whatever the office is doing all the planning for the site. Yeah. You definitely feel like a number there. Like I know, again, working at a town, like you'll be as close as you can possibly be to a coworker, like by the end of three week shift or after if you've, if you've worked with somebody for nine months and you've spent more time with them than like your girlfriend or your wife, if you're doing it three weeks in one week out, I mean, you're spending 75% of your life with these people. And so you'll be close knit, super tight with the, the crew on site. But then when all of a sudden layoffs come, you literally get a slip of paper, like it'll just have your employee number. And it's like, Oh, you're laid off or you're off to the next site. So yeah, there, there is a bit of both, but um, yeah. So pros and cons to it, but there's definitely a lot of pros as far as the crew itself. Yeah. Cause I just feel like the one thing that I really like, especially like this week, like it was, it was really nice where you get like a lot more alone time. You're just kind of like, I was working in that basement that we were kind of working on 
Mm -hmm. And I just bring my little portable speaker to work. I get told exactly what I need to work on that day. I plug my music in and that's it. It's just like go time. Like, it's like sweet. I can just, you know, I got to build what I have to build. Sometimes you fuck it up and you know, your foreman comes down and laughs at you and calls you a big (laughs) idiot and you have to redo it. And, uh, and then you keep like, that's the one thing I don't, I laugh. Like, I don't know. You saw the sticker on the back of my truck and I say it at work all the time. No bad days. I don't care. Like I have the exact same. I have the exact same mentality. I completely agree, and it gets you through a lot of that stuff. Like you just gotta laugh sometimes. I mean, especially when you're newer in the trade, or even I make mistakes all the time, and I just laugh. I mean, there's nothing you can do about it. They're gonna happen. Might as well have a good uh, a good chuckle about it. Yeah, man. I always yeah. I remember there was something that really bit my messed up like pretty bad this week. It was like, I, it was a good like waste of time and probably a decent waste of materials. And I just like wasn't. I didn't do well and, and I got laughed at pretty hard. Like I got a couple face palms and I got laughed at and I look over and I just say, yeah, learning fucking sucks sometimes, dude. Yeah. Yeah. It, <laughs> like, does. it definitely does. But you're right. You got the right mentality. I mean, what else are you going to do? You got to get taught. You got to learn the stuff. So it's, yeah, it's not always pretty. There's also like, I find that, there's like this weird, I, I don't want to say shame, but like kind of like this weird negative connotation right now in society. I don't know if you feel this ever like on social media or even certain podcasts or just in conversations on day to day. Like there's this weird like notion that, you know, working a nine to five, working a day job is like kind of like a, it's, it's frowned upon now. Everyone's got to be like that hustler or entrepreneur or working their passive income or I don't know, like there's always there's always these like get rich quick schemes and you could do drop shipping and you could do this or that. Like, how do you feel about like the trades? And do you think that that's kind of shaped like your idea on like what working a nine to five is or a day job is like, what are your thoughts on that, man? Yeah, it absolutely has. I mean, I've had friends who are kind of all into the MLM, the multi-level marketing kind of the get, get rich quick schemes. Um, and you know, so far they've all fallen flat. I know that some people are very... you might hear this just so you know. Yeah. Oh, I know. I've already <laughs> talked about it on mine. <laughs> I'm not, I don't care. Um, no, I've, uh, I mean, I've talked to them about it too. They've talked to me like, and I've noticed, especially since this lockdown kind of as kind of jobs have gone away or companies have kind of shrunk down their workforce. I've been getting a lot more people asking like, do you guys have work? Is there a, a grunt labor position on site. Like I'm getting that more now than ever in the past five to 10 years, like that I can remember. And I think it's just because I don't know, like, yes, you're right. Like as far as in media and everything, it does seem to get kind of laughed at a little bit. You know, there's the stereotypical tradesperson who walks in with their pants halfway down their ass, like in all the sitcoms and everything. It's, you know, it's got, it's got its own stereotype, but I think people are really kind of starting to realize the value and the worth in just coming to work, kind of busting your hump for eight hours and putting in an honest day's labor and, you know, making money at it too. Like I don't think, and that that's a lot of the kind of the inspiration behind mind podcast too, is just opening up and breaking down those stereotypes. Like these guys and girls on trade sites doing, you know, your blue collar work or whatever, keeping society basically functioning. A lot of them are in the shadows, but it doesn't mean that, you know, they aren't intelligent. They don't have pretty grand ideas and views on life. And I'd love to be able to highlight that. And it's a lot of what you do in your conversations too. I mean, you know, it's not like either of us are interviewing multimillionaires or these famous people. 
it's everyday people, but you can get inspiration from them. And I think it's something that, you know, I think a lot of people can benefit from that having hearing voices, you know, that we work shoulder to shoulder with, or that, you know, you might pass in a hallway, but these people have great ideas about life and inspirational stories. And I think you can learn a lot from them. It's, it's not all about, you know, the glitz and the glam or working in a, you know, the penthouse suite of some office building. Uh, you know, there's a lot of value in life and in working with your hands too. Yeah, I definitely think so as well. I think that like I've kind of worked the sales job, which is like the, if you sell all of your month in the first week, like don't, you don't need to worry about like for the rest of the month. Like you kind of just like, it, it's, it's, it's got that vibe of like the entrepreneurial, like where like even certain times they would like shame people that like, I remember there was certain conversations we had. It's like, you work hourly. Yeah. Like, like, no, it's about working commission, like stack that paper. Like that's how people were. Right. And I've kind of worked on both ends of it where it's like, okay, I can work hourly and work my way up to building a higher hourly wage. And then I have that sense of security. And it's also, it does something for your self-worth, right? Like when you see like, okay, I'm worth X amount per hour. Like that does something for your self-worth when you see that number go up. Right. And oh, it's, yeah. Or, and I mean, I know you might not have experienced it yet, but I guarantee you when you like buy a place or even if you're renting a place and something breaks or you want to make a modification here and you don't have to hire somebody to do it, it's the best feeling. Like you're like, look, look, I can do this. Like I can maintain this. I can upkeep this. It's, it's a great feeling. Like, like you said, for self-worth, like you just feel, you know, it useful above anything else. Yeah. There's a lot of things that, yeah, I've learned quite a lot where I just feel a lot better in certain situations. Like there's been times where like I've talked to people where they're like, yeah, I got to hire someone. I, I got to hang these pictures up in my room. Like, or like yeah. I got to hang like a whiteboard up and I don't know. I'm like, dude, I can just hang that for you. It takes three seconds. Like it's so yep. easy. Like, are oh, you I joking me? <laughs> like, I I, I've got those kind of requests too. And it's, yeah, no problem. I'll come over and do that. It'll take me two seconds. Like it's, yeah, I agree. I, I'm not like, a general contractor, a finishing contractor, but I changed out the, like I changed out the locks and deadbolts on my door last week. Like, yeah, you know, it's just little things you pick up and you being like kind of in a position as a framer, but general contractor, you're going to pick up tons of stuff from plumbing to minor electrical stuff. Like it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's an awesome feeling, honestly. Yeah. It feels good. Like, especially like, yeah, like I said, the little things, like I, I'm trying to remember there was two things that I got called for this, this, like in the last like couple months that just kind of made me laugh. And like, one of them was a, uh, a, like a door on a closet mm -hmm. <laughs> and it just came off the roller on the top. <laughs> right. Right. My buddy's like, I need a new door. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, this is, yeah. we don't even need new parts. Like this yeah. just goes back in there. Dude, it's spring fit. I'll just pull it down, slide it yeah. in place. We're good. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I know. I know exactly what you mean. Yep. And the other one was just like, someone was like, I got to hang this shelving unit. Like, uh, but I just, I don't have a stud finder or anything. And I'm like, well, A, I have a stud finder. And B, we can just use drywall anchors. Like, you don't need a stud. Yeah. You can yeah. just stick it's an not anchor. That heavy. Yeah. It's just yeah. a shelving unit. Like, what are you putting on these? She's like, oh, a picture. I'm like, yeah, you <laughs> She's an anchor. They're rated for like 50 pounds. She's like, are you yeah. serious? That's the weak one, man. That's the, that's the weak one. Oh, I hear you, man. Yeah, it's, it's great. And like I said, with all this, the lockdown, and I think, uh, 
kind of a lot of the jobs shrinking or going away. I think, I think people are kind of starting to see the value in it. And a lot of people almost by, by necessity are coming back to it. But I think, you know, I think it's changing people's perspectives. Here's a weird question. Do you think that because like, uh, if you look at like the car industry and you look at how many like manufacturing companies have replaced their employees with like machines, robots, AI, stuff like that. Do you think that guys like us will ever be replaced by robots or, or machines or, do you think it's even possible? Oh, I'm going to have to ring up my buddy Elon Musk about this one, but <laughs> I have no idea. I, I've thought about that though. I mean, I know electrically speaking, I think at least with, with the knowledge of circuitry, I mean, I'm no robotics tech, but I'm, I'm optimistic anyway, that if, if anything happened, I could transition into being <laughs> like robot maintenance. I'd at least have an in there, but I don't know. I, I think it's hard to, it's hard to see. I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen the videos of these kind of tilt up prefabbed housing units. That kind of scares me a little bit, but um, as long as there's custom homes and stuff like that, I think it's going to go together. But like, yeah, some of these tilt up buildings, like they have little, even electrical couplers in the corners. So as the building basically comes together, these pieces just slide into place and it connects the electrical throughout the walls and everything. It's bananas. So some of that stuff scares me, but. I don't know. I think there's, there's always going to be people needed to fix stuff, particularly. I, I think you're going to have a hard time getting a robot to troubleshoot a broken neutral in a wall somewhere or, you know, stuff like that. So I, I think we're still going to have jobs, at least for, for my lifetime, hopefully. Yeah, I guess you also have the other perspective of like, you've worked in new construction. I've never worked in any new construction whatsoever. Everything I've ever done was renovation or restoration work. Oh, you'd probably be so happy doing new construction then. It's so much better. <laughs> it's so much cleaner anyway. Yeah. Well, I was just, the one funny thing is, is like, that's kind of what, you know, we were talking about earlier. I was telling you, like, I learned, I learned new ways to build bulkheads today because when you learn how to build bulkheads in, in BCIT or in any carpentry book or any like YouTube videos that you watch, it's always kind of most of the time, it's kind of like build it all on the ground and just pop it up and screw it in. Mm -hmm. Right. But, and when I said that to my foreman and he kind of just looked at me, he's like, good luck with that, man. <laughs> and I was like, what are you talking about? I know about? your foreman. I can picture that. <laughs> yeah. He goes, he goes, have at her. Good luck yeah. with that, man. Yeah. And I go, why? What do you say that for? He's like, I wouldn't do it like that. And I go, well, why wouldn't you do it like that? And he yeah. goes, well, good. Just like, good luck. Like just, he's like waiting for me to catch on and figure it out. And then I'm like, Oh shit, this is a 108 year old house. Like there's no way anything on this, the wall or ceiling is square. Nothing. So like, I can't build it on the ground. I have to go individually, like each little piece and oh, measure yeah. each piece individually. Like there's so many different things where I'm like kind of doing that. And I was thinking about that on, on uh, Thursday, Friday, where like the last kind of like the little bit of the week where I'm just kind of in my head while I work. And I'm like, man, there's no way a machine. I well, I guess that's pretty egregious for me to say that there's no way a machine could do that. But like, there's no way little, a machine could right now though. Yeah. Like least. each little like calculation where it's like, like every single inch is off. Like everything is off there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think I think we're pretty safe for a while anyway. But yeah, that house has been a nightmare. I know exactly what you're talking about. But it's interesting too, because I mean, you'll learn how to do something in a kind of contained situation in school, but 
you really need those older guys or those experienced guys to kind of translate that to real life. Like a lot of the things that I learned in school too are, yeah, technically they're right. They work, but there's no way you do that in real, in a real life application, but it's, yeah, it's good to have guys like that to learn from. Yeah. It's really sick. I'm pre- I'm really fortunate that way actually as well, that like my family is set up the way that it is that everyone like, yeah, I don't know if it's like that in your family where everyone works as an electrician. I'm sure your brothers all do different things as well, but that's kind of how it is in our family. Like all the guys tend to work either in the trades or around something like that, where they're working with their hands, even people that are married into this family, like everyone just kind of seems to be doing like a job where they're working with their hands. Yeah. It's it's interesting. I've got nine siblings and I'm the only one in trades. I've got one, I'm not the only one that has trade experience. Some of my other siblings have. My sister has electrical experience, but now she works at an electrical distributor, a wholesaler. Um, so she's the closest thing next to me to be in the trades. But yeah, it's funny because our family, yeah, our family's the opposite. I've got nine siblings and none of them are in the trades. But with your dad being an electrician, I guess, was there ever any conversation that any any of the other boys were going to work with the, in the trades? Because I feel like growing up, everyone kind of just assumed I would work with my dad. Yeah, uh, two of my brothers at least tried it for a bit, and yeah, they, we don't have the same same work ethic, I guess. But yeah, they they didn't like it, and I don't blame them. They're both into other stuff now, but and doing well. But yeah, uh, a few of them did try it. My sister got into it for a while too, and then work just kind of slowed down. We didn't have a need for a first year apprentice at the time, so she picked up the job at the electrical distributor um, just meant to be part-time, but she's done so well with it now. So she's moving right up in that company and she's loving it. So yeah. Unreal, man. Were you like, like I'm assuming you've worked other jobs, but like what, like were you ever kind of considering, like, I know I asked you earlier, were you ever like, fuck this, but like, were you ever working other jobs or considering like completely changing your, your uh, scope of practice from the trades or working in electrical? Uh, I mean, I'm, I have thought about it before. I, like I said, I got started really young. I mean, I think I've had three jobs in my life. I've had a paper route and then I had, I worked in that butcher shop as their cleanup kid. And then I rolled right into electrical with the high school apprenticeship program. Um, there's other things I'd like to do. Like realistically, I'd love to get my electrical engineering ticket. I'm, I really enjoy the math behind electrical and the design of the systems. That's kind of my favorite part. Um, but you know, with kids right now, it's not really in my cards. And so I'm, I'm happy though, doing what I do. Um, maybe one day I'll kind of expand, but again, it would probably still be in the same kind of general area, but I would like to get into the engineering end of it. That's sick, man. Yeah. Yeah, How come, I guess like, how come you never got into engineering before? Is that something you just kind of discovered that you were interested in or? Well, I always liked it, but then I mean, I started working out of town actually when I met my wife. Ironically, my wife and I met online because I was doing a two-in-one rotation and I would come home from working. I was working night shift at the time. So I'd come home from working two weeks on nights. I'd come home. It would take me two days to acclimatize to being awake during the day again. And then it would take the last two days of my time off to try to get back into the rhythm of working all night. So I only really had three days off out of every three weeks where I was actually doing anything productive. And so I never had a chance to meet anybody. Um, so I, yeah, I ended up meeting up with her, but basically working, working out of town was such good money. And it was, I was really enjoying the work. Like I, I loved working out of town personally. 
So I, I didn't really have the desire to change fields at that point. And then I met my wife, we got married, we had kids. Um, and so then it's kind of now it's just not really an option to go back to school at this stage, but I'm happy where I am. And maybe when my kids get a bit older, I'll go back to school. But yeah, for now it's on the back burner. Unreal, man. And you got four boys, man. What's that even like having four boys running around? Uh, you know, you don't sleep, but <laughs> whatever. I didn't sleep before anyway. So it's, yeah. uh, no, it's, it's a blast. Like, honestly, I think, uh, I think I had a lot of preconceived notions about parenthood when I was younger. Uh, for example, one of them that I think a lot of people might think is one way or the not, it's the kind of whole nature versus nurture thing. I figured being stupid when I was younger that all of it was nurture, that if you raised your kids the same way, they were all going to turn out roughly the same. And now I realize that is definitely probably 70% nature, 30% nurture. Like it is, it is crazy. The different um, just personalities and interests that the kids have. Like I've said it on my podcast too, but our nine year old, he's, extremely artistic, very caring, a very empathetic kid. Our four-year-old who just started kindergarten is the same thing. He's quite anxious, like he's quite quiet, but he's very caring, very empathetic, has an insane memory. That kid remembers stuff from when he was two that I don't remember, but he'll point at it in a picture and be like, yeah, see, I told you. I'll be like, holy shit, like this kid's incredible. <laughs> and then my two-year-old is a wrecking ball. Like that kid, I, I feel so bad for his teachers coming up because they're going to have my first two kids that will have given them these like angelic impressions of what Murphy's will be like. And then my third son is going to come along and just bulldoze his way through every class in life. Like he's, he, me and my wife, we try to videotape him as much as we can, like just for like personal home videos, because he's got such a personality. He's so loud. Like it just feels like he's going to be some kind of, some kind of entertainer or something one day. And we're going to see, we're going to seem so stupid saying in like an interview one day that like, Oh no, we could see this from like a young age. Like we almost need video proof. Like, no, this kid is crazy at a young age. And then our seven month old, we have no idea. He's a pretty big potato at this point, but you know, we'll see, we'll see what he's, <laughs> he's got. A for blank cat. Yeah. He's a blank canvas at this point. Yeah. He's a firecracker though. He gets very angry, but that's, uh, that's about it so far. So we'll see. That's pretty typical for like, uh, you said seven months, seven months. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I feel like that might be typical for seven months. old. no. You know, it's funny. Like our second one, who's four now, he was such a happy baby. Nothing could get him angry. He was never like, he might whimper a little bit if he was hungry. This one, our seven month old, like he grabs my beard and pulls my face into him if he gets angry and just <laughs> screaming at you, like, like red in the face, grabs your beard, pulls you in. And he, my nine-year-old was like, I think Clyde's trying to rip my throat out today. Like he grabbed, <laughs> grabbed my nine-year-old just like around the Adam's apple and just pulled <laughs> left this huge red mark. Like he's a strong, angry little kid. So I'm curious what his, uh, his personality is going to be like. Man, that's funny. Do you think any of them will work with you, like work in the trades? Uh, yeah, you know what? I always, I, I do think so. And I would like to at least, like I try to do the same thing that my dad did with me. And a lot of that was just teaching through his, his actions, not necessarily his words. Um, I mean, I know I've used the episode or the, sorry, the example on my podcast, but when we used to go camping as kids, he would, 
he never said anything to us. He never verbalized this lesson, but if we went camping, he would kind of clean up the site when we got there and we were leaving, he would clean it all up. He would always leave it nicer than when we got there. Like he'd clean up other people's garbage. He just had this, this kind of work ethic, this uh, idea to kind of take care of that stuff around you. And he always just kind of instilled that, yeah, that work ethic really, but it wasn't through anything that he said. So I'm trying to, trying to teach the kids the same thing. And we had a big moment of pride you know, a few months ago where our son just went around the townhouse complex picking up garbage, just cleaning up our street unprompted. And it was awesome to see because obviously pick that up somewhere. I mean, so we just try to, we try to be an example to them as much as we can, not necessarily saying things to them, but just kind of through your actions and trying to, trying to lead by example that way. So I hope so. I think it'd be good to kind of give them that, uh, that basis, even if they don't stick in it, at least to kind of gain the value of putting in a hard day's work and, you know, working with your hands. I think, I think it's a good lesson. Yeah, man. And then you don't mind me asking, like, is your, is your end goal to kind of like take over the business that your dad's been running? Is it kind of to make your own business? Is it to kind of go and branch off and go back to some bigger job sites with some bigger companies? Like what's kind of your, your goal with working in the trades? Well, my goal right now, same like right now I'm taking my FSR, which basically is the next level up. It allows me to pull permits within the cities and everything. Um, and that's kind of the first step. My dad does want to retire from the company, but, um, you know, so we're talking about me buying it from him uh, over time. Um, so that's, that's realistically probably the, the path that I'm going to go down. And I do, I do like the idea of it. I'd probably like to change the scope of work a little bit. I, I really enjoy troubleshooting and service work, kind of maintenance stuff where, you know, it's not necessarily always the craziest work pace, but when something does break, it's kind of, you got to act on it fast. And there's a lot of thinking involved in that. I really, I really like that. Um, so I would like to change kind of the scope of work a little bit, but I, I love electrical to be honest. Like, there's areas of it I like more than others, but it's it's a fulfilling job. I really do enjoy it. It's a good combination of working with your hands and thinking through a job. Um, and then, I mean, my podcast is kind of my passion project at this point. If it ever became more than that, that's it would be a great bonus. But I'm I'm not really I'm not banking on that by any means. I just I love doing it. I'm going to keep doing it and hopefully get better at it. That's sick, man. Well. Dude, it's coming up on 10 o'clock here. It's getting pretty late for me. I've, I've been up since like, I think 4.30 this morning. So I'm going to honestly be starting to get to ready for bed soon. Yeah, but no man, worries. Thank you so much. This was a sick conversation. And uh, I feel like, I, like I'm so ADHD. We just kind of wandered everywhere. But this, I feel like we covered all the bases, man. I don't know how you feel. Oh, I felt great about it. Yeah, thanks for having me on. And again, thanks for giving me that push, dude, to actually start my own thing. But I... Yeah, I really appreciate it. I think that was a, a great combo. No, dude, that, that was really sick. And trust me, dude, like you don't have to thank me for that because I feel like you would have done it anyways. Like I feel like for sure you would have done it anyways. But um, here's one thing though. I don't actually, uh, I don't know if you've listened to all the way to the end of each, any of my podcasts, but when I interview people, I just really hate doing my own outro. So I'm going to have you do the outro. If anyone's listened thus far, obviously, thank you so much. Like, for joining us for this long thank you for joining us at all actually and i hope you guys found this interesting if you do then check out zach's podcast as well plaid jacket philosopher you can find it honestly i found it on apple Podcasts and spotify so i found it pretty easy to find and listen to you guys can find it as well that being said zach 
my man, you are going to have to, A, tell people, I guess I just did this part for you, but tell people where they can find you. Tell people one more time, like just kind of who you are. But also you are going to do my outro for me and uh, leave anybody that listened this long with a nice positive message that they can uh, kind of, I feel like maybe get more motivation to, to continue on with their work or just kind of continue on any struggle they're in. Sounds good, man. Thank you. And yeah, you kind of did a good job of plugging the podcast. I also have uh, a Facebook page. It's just the plaid jacket philosopher. Uh, I'm also on Twitter. I'm not very active there yet, just because I barely have any followers and I've never been active on Twitter, but it's at jacket plaid. I am updating episodes there anyway. And uh, yeah, maybe just through this kind of time, this, this epidemic and everything, do your best to kind of find, find value, find joy in anything that you can. Um, and again, you know, even taking on home projects, I know a lot of people are doing that, but start small, do something small, something that you can do yourself. And it's really rewarding. It's something that, uh, you really kind of build self-confidence, build self-worth with. That's what I find is really, really helpful. Um, so go ahead do that. Try to tackle a small project. You know, even if it's changing out the doorknobs on your door, you can find that on uh, YouTube. That's what I did. Um, but it felt pretty cool to do something that I'm not familiar with and I've never done before. So do that. Try something new. Beautiful, man. Thank you so much. Let's leave everybody with a little peace out. Thank peace you. out, everybody. Much love, and thank you so much for joining us. Have a good one.